This is the Family Culture Project, episode 37, Raising Brave and Confident Teen Girls with guest Lynn Cow. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you to live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. Young girls have a tendency to size themselves up, measure themselves, and decide who's inferior or superior to them. It's awful, and it keeps them from being their best selves and enjoying the life they've been given. Whether we feel better or worse about ourselves, after the comparison, it rarely leads to joy. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about how we can help our kids break free from comparison and embrace who they were created to be. So when I was growing up, I can remember being in the comparison game. I had a group of friends and I remember thinking, well, she's the smart one. She's the pretty one. She's the one boys like, and I'm just that sort of in between. I'm okay. I look okay. I do okay in school. Like I was just the, the average one in our group. You made it by. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, I don't know if somebody told me that, but I know that I was constantly comparing myself to my girlfriends and constantly measuring myself against their looks and even against their academics. And while I think that the things that I struggled with weren't uncommon, I do think they held me back from understanding who I really was. I think they held me back from um, having confidence. And I was constantly on an emotional roller coaster of whether or not I felt good about myself, which is unfortunate because I think high school and even college is such an amazing time of our lives of figuring out who we are, of connecting with other people, discovering new things, and to be held back because you're too busy comparing and then too busy you know, embracing labels we have no business embracing, I think it's just, it's sad. Yeah. Sometimes I think like if you're comparing, you're, 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 you're always falling into the trap of not thinking you're good enough for something. I say when I was a kid, you know, the one thing that pops into my mind was sports, right? So my dad was not a sports guy. My mom was not a sports person per se. And I'm um, sure my dad loved a handball in the backyard, so we were pretty darn good at that. We liked ping pong, and we were pretty darn good at that. But when it came to the traditional sports like baseball and hockey and things of that nature, you know, my parents really weren't into it. So, you know, I always felt, and I would always compare myself, even if we were playing stickball or wiffle ball in the corner, that I wasn't as good as the other kids. I'm not as good. I guess I really can't join the baseball team because I'm not very good mm-hmm. because Johnny or Joey or, you know, is, 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 is really good. Mm-hmm. And um, thinking that everybody that's actually on a team is actually really good, therefore never really um, doing the sports um, the way we do it with our children today. So I always felt that comparison held me back from pursuing more in that area, even if I was never going to be um, a superstar, just, just to have that experience um, and, 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 and do that more. So it's, it's easy how you can see how comparison really can hold you back in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, I mean, in hindsight, it probably feels more so than during the time. But I do think that, you know, I spent so much time looking at other people that I wasn't even content with what I had, whether it was me comparing my house or me comparing the things that we did as a family or comparing, you know, siblings, parents. I mean, everything is this constant like measuring up. 
my focus was not on what I did have, was not on, you know, what I was fortunate to have and, and who was in my life. And I think that's a shame. I think as, as adults, we look back and we're like, wow, we really did have a pretty great family. And even though it wasn't perfect, it was pretty awesome. And maybe I didn't appreciate them at the time. Yeah. And I think it's probably even harder today, especially with social media. So think about it. Everybody in social media posts all their favorite moments. Mm -hmm. So if you're on social media and you're looking at your phone, talk about the comparison game now. So Mm -hmm. not only did you just have your immediate friends, now you get to see your broader stroke of friends and they're doing all these cool things and you're sitting at home, Mm -hmm. you know, playing a game, but you're just, you know, you're just comparing to what somebody else has compared to what you have all the time now. So I think it's even harder probably for not just adults, but just for children in our day and age versus when we were growing up when I didn't have a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was only comparing people in my immediate sphere of mm-hmm. um, my neighborhood. And, but, but again, you're right. We did do a lot of comparisons, I think even for, you know, our home versus our friend's home, just not being satisfied because somebody always had mm-hmm. a little more than you had. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell your younger self one thing about comparison, what would it be? Be aware of what you're good at and what you're passionate about and and pursue that with vigor and go after that and put all your efforts toward that. Don't put your efforts toward comparing what you don't have because there will always be somebody that has mm-hmm. something more seemingly better, um, but be grateful for what you do have, maximize what you do have, your relationships, um, and don't let comparison hold you back. Because I think comparison sometimes makes you think that you want something that you really don't Mm. want, or it's not really your thing anyway, even though they're having fun with it, Yeah, but it's not really your thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, don't, don't allow that, that to hold you down. Mm-hmm. And make you feel bad about something that's not really your thing anyway. It really robs too much mm-hmm. time of your life. <clears throat> but it also can rob you from focusing on something that is your sweet spot and, mm-hmm. and, and is what you really want to pursue. You know, our guest, Lynn Cow, she talks about raising brave and confident teens. And she says that's a biggie comparison. And that really does hold them back from going forward into the future without fear. And um, she'll talk more about this. But I think as parents, one of the things that we can do <clears throat> is teach our, our kids to question the thoughts that they have around this area and speak to themselves. I mean, what I've seen is that I'm teaching my kids this now, but... The younger they are when you teach them that not every thought is truth and not every thought is just to be believed and accepted and embraced and that sometimes we have to challenge the things that we're, that we're thinking. So, and, and this simply means that when you have a negative thought, you have the choice to entertain the thought or stop it in its tracks and replace it. And this doesn't happen just once or twice, but every time thoughts creep into our mind, especially in the area of comparison. And if I were to tell my younger self one thing, I think it would be, um, it doesn't get easier. And I know that sort of sounds like hopeless, but it's really not. Meaning that it doesn't get easier if you don't, if you don't know how to to control, change your thinking, shift your focus. This you'll never get to a point in your life where you'll be like, "I've arrived. 
this is okay now. I don't need to compare myself. I have it all. You never get there, whether you're in college, whether you're you know, in the, in the workplace, whether you just started your family. There's always going to be something to compare yourself to. There's, it's not just going to magically feel better when yeah. you've arrived at some de- imaginary destination or made up arbitrary destination. You have to really start to cultivate that habit of, of, of identifying your thought patterns and identifying what it is that's holding you back and addressing it head on. Another thing we can do as parents is we really have to watch what we say um, in front of our kids. It's easy for us to make a quick comment about another child and comparing it either to our child or just inadvertently comparing it to our child. And it's those things. The funny thing is when we were talking before the podcast and we were just prepping for this, you shared something that you remember from when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And it was could have just been innocent comparison that your parent made at the time but you remember it still now. Mm-hmm. And I, I have the same as well. And I'm sure every child has this has the same experience. But we as parents have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we really have to refuse to allow that to eke in and be very careful about what we do mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, you know, th- these little moments or these little statements can really last a really long time. Mm-hmm. It can really have an impact throughout a child's life. Yeah, so I think that plays out a number of ways. So as parents, we can choose not to compare ourselves to other people because our kids will see it. Our kids will pick up on it. So if we're on social media or if we're on Facebook and we're going, oh, so-and-so went on vacation again, must be nice. Or, oh, look at her husband. He bought her flowers for Valentine's Day. And you're kind of like saying those things, you know, where your kids can listen to them. They're going to see that you're comparing and they're going to think that this behavior is is okay Normal. and is healthy. Um, well, another flavor of that is is this, which is, right, don't do that, what you were just describing. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is address the fact that you're actually having the emotion and be mm-hmm. honest with them. So one of the things Lynn talked about was sharing um, your moments of um, comparison. So when you look at that Instagram post and you're feeling jealousy, mm-hmm. share that with them. Um, say, hey, look, guys, I'm actually feeling a bit. Com- I'm I'm comparing mm-hmm. the situation and I'm I'm having these feelings of mm-hmm. jealousy because um, it's not rational. Whatever, yeah, just yeah. explain or it. Or I'm to disappointed. Them. I'm or disappointed. I was expecting yeah. something. Yeah. And so that they understand that you have these thoughts. You struggle through them. This is how you deal with them mm-hmm. and how you're not going to let that control them so that they can mm-hmm. also then share with you. You know, it's that whole safety thing. Yeah. The you, authenticity and the yeah, vulnerability. You create the safety so that they feel good that, all right, you're struggling with this. I can tell you what I'm struggling with as well. Because mm-hmm. it's not that you won't struggle with this. It's just identifying that comparison, what comparison is actually doing and being able to talk it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my best friend growing up shared with me um, at when we were adults about her parents had definitely put her and her sister into boxes by labels by comparison and saying, oh, this one was the smart one and this one was the pretty one. Um, and she's and, and I was so surprised to hear that she struggled with that because I think she's so bright. I think she's so beautiful. And to hear that she for so long had believed those things about herself and it limited her and it held her back. And so... Um, you know, I've 
haven't been perfect at it, but I've been mindful not to compare my children to each other and to make assumptions about who they are or what they're capable of, and then to contrast them to one of their siblings. Um, I think as parents, that's something that we can really avoid doing. And again, if we find ourselves doing it, it's okay to go back and say, hey, like, I I didn't mean to do this, you know, and then encourage them and ask them questions and talk with them about who they are and what desires and talents they have and who they want to be and then change the conversation. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? A family retreat is a fun way to connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you are doing as a family. Our family retreat is one of the things that we look forward to each year. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com forward slash shop to get your copy. Today, I'm talking with Lynn Cowell. Lynn is a Proverbs 31 speaker and the author of several books written for women of all ages. Her book for young women is Brave Beauty, Finding the Fearless You, and a Bible study for women, Make Your Move, Finding Unshakable Confidence Despite Your Fears and Failures. Lynn calls home North Carolina, where she and her husband Greg and the occasional backyard deer are adjusting to life as empty nesters. Along with her three adult children, the Cowles love hiking, rafting, and anything combining chocolate and peanut butter to have you on the podcast. Um, years ago, I went to the She Speaks conference and I met you and um, you had, at the time, you had just released Revolutionary Love. And so I got the devotional, there was a devotional book and then there was like a book book, right? So I got the two versions for my daughters, even though they were probably like in second or third grade. <laughs> and I was like, these are for them when they're older. And so I was so excited about um, your resources and I've read them with my girls. And so to have you on the podcast for you to share your wisdom with me and with us is very exciting. That is, that's interesting because um, I wrote three books for teens and then mm. thought that I would just keep moving forward. And then last year, I actually released a book for tweens uh-huh. um, that would have been age appropriate for your girls back Yeah, then. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you start off and tell me a little bit about your family and Great. where you're at right now? All right. So my husband, Greg, and I have been married for 31 years, and we think that we're now empty nesters. And I <laughs> think because our youngest graduates from college in May and she's not planning on coming back. So we'll see. But we have three young adults. Zach is 27. Mariah is a social work graduate student at UNC. And Maddie, our youngest, is also um, a social work um, major. Mm -hmm. So mostly we're just a goofy family that has a lot of nicknames in our own, we call our own secret language. Um, Last year for Christmas, we got our kids these teacher t-shirts that say you wouldn't understand it's a cowl thing (laughs) oh i love that oh my gosh that's so so, such a family culture thing too like we call us ourselves team amici sometimes and so just that idea i love the oh my gosh i love those shirts (laughs) (laughs) they were fun (gasps) oh i bet um so you mentioned that you wrote a new book for tweens and it has to do with bravery and you talk a lot about bravery so um why don't you share with us how we can help our girls be confident and brave? Well, you know what, Kimberly, I think that most of us struggling with how to pass on confidence and courage and bravery um, struggle because we ourselves don't feel like we're courageous and confident. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the very, very best things that we can do for our girls 
is to find our own identity and mm. security in Christ. And um, not that you have to do that first, not that you have to have it all together and, and learn who you are, you know, before you can teach it to your, your daughters and to your kids, mm -hmm. but you can pass it on to them while you're learning it. Yeah. And I saw my mom do this. Um, my mom came to know Christ when I was eight and she didn't have a mother who taught her who God said she was. And yet, as my mom found new truths each day, she passed them on to me. Um, and, and one of those important pieces of that was that she was a praying mom. So I remember that every day I would come downstairs to eat breakfast and my mom would be sitting there in her chair with her Bible and praying. And I knew she was praying for her kids and I knew she was praying for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you mentioned that, um, I have a new book out for tween girls and it's called brave beauty, finding the fearless you. And when I did some research, cause it's been a long time since I was mm -hmm. between eight and 12 years old. Um, one of the things that I discovered was that a girl's confidence peaks at age nine. Mm -hmm. And I found that kind of shocking because we have a whole lot of life to live, you know, after age nine. And so that's why I think it's so important that we invest in our girls at the youngest of ages, the important truths that they need. Because once puberty hits, that's when the real struggle begins because that's when comparison starts coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think having children, but definitely having daughters, it spotlights in my life where I'm still comparing or where I'm still lacking confidence. Um, and then to see them be in the situations that they're in, it just, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a grown up, but that doesn't mean I have it all figured out yet. And so I want to learn how to teach them to be confident and brave. And so as parents, how do we do that? How do we start helping them to build their confidence and, and just run from comparison because it's just, it seems so prevalent. Well, you know, I think one of the things that um, I saw as my girls were growing up is even being careful of comparison with even within your own family. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't even have to necessarily take place at school or on the ball field. Um, my daughters could not be more diff different from each other. My oldest daughter is 5'11", and my youngest daughter is 5'3". And one is very academic and one is very relational. And so when you have those differences right there in your own home, Um, comparison can begin, you know, right in our own family. So I think that one thing that we can do as moms is begin to help our, our kids recognize um, the conversations that start happening inside their own heads that are the, the signs of comparison. Mm -hmm. um, what those conversations are about their physical, um, you know, that how they're changing and the way they look about academics or athletics, whatever it might be, um, help them to start hearing the conversation that's happening in their mm. own um, mind. It, or you might hear her say things like, I'm so stupid, or um, that was so dumb that I did that. And, you know, begin to point out to them, 
did you, did you hear what you just said about yourself? That's not mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think these things, again, they start so young. Think of the little girl you see, you know, twirling around in a dress, asking the question, you know, am I pretty? And then our next question might be, well, am I prettier than her? You know, mm -hmm. it just yeah. starts so young. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so true. I think this it's the little things and the subtle comments and phrases that can really sow seeds in our heart and in the hearts of our kids. And to be mindful of that, I think is so important. You know, my son even said to me this morning, ironically, that he had overheard a group of parents talking about their sons and talking about how, oh yeah, I wish he was bigger and I wish he should he needs to put on more weight and and he needs to do because it was in you know a, a sports you know yeah. atmosphere, and I just thought. And he, and he came home and he's like, mom, he goes, why were they saying like, he didn't understand like what, like the conversation. And I told, I know I had to have the talk with him too. Like we don't need to compare ourselves to others. And you know, it's, it's those little things that you think that the kids don't hear us say, or we allow them to say that really could take root. And so to be mindful of that, I think is super important. Totally. I do too. And, and like you're saying, I think that um, as parents, we need to, first be aware of our own struggles with comparison. You know, mm -hmm. that's fighting inside. Recently I was on Instagram and I saw a post and I felt immediately, I felt jealous and, and I recognized it. And, and with the help of the Holy spirit, you know, I asked for forgiveness and I started praying for that person right away, you know, to find mm -hmm. a way to move my heart away from feeling that jealousy. And then after I experienced that, I shared that with my daughters and mm -hmm. I did that so that, you know, sometimes the things that we struggle with, our kids don't see, and they might get the false impression that, well, you know, you reach this point where you're perfect or where you have it all together. Um, and so I just let my girls know, Hey, I really struggled with jealousy today so that number one, they know this is a safe place. We can talk mm -hmm. about you know, mm -hmm. these kinds of um, even when you're 51, you may still struggle, you know, once in a while with jealousy. Um, and, it, and it opens up uh, an avenue where then they can talk about their own feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, you know, I think that, you know, we can begin to listen carefully for the signs that comparison are trying to take root in their mind and their heart and to teach them that, yeah, they're natural, but they're not good. It's yeah. not good for her. It's not good for the person that she's having the thoughts about. Um, and I think that, you know, as always, God's word has something to say about it. I love mm -hmm. how Philippians 4, 8 says it um, this way in the message. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by feeling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, mm -hmm. gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized, and do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Um, you know, as I, you know, my children sometimes don't do things because of fear, and so I, I definitely think it's important to teach them bravery and to teach them to get rid of comparison. But I think that there's still places where that fear creeps in and it has the potential to dictate to them the choices that they make. And, and especially as a teen, like I don't want them to make choices out of fear. So how do we help them to learn that? How do we, how do we, instead of just saying, just, you know, be brave, be, be brave. Um, what else can we teach them about fear and taking risks? It, it's easy to throw out that phrase, right? You know, yeah. be but it's another thing entirely 
likely to actually be brave. And I mm -hmm. think just as you were talking about fear, um, specifically, I think the fear of failure is what really holds our kids back. Mm -hmm. Either they've experienced failure or they're afraid of experiencing failure. And so one of the things that I just started doing in the past year was taking a look at what does failure mean? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like in our culture that failure means it's the end of the world. You know, you messed up, so it, it's the worst possible thing. But actually the word failure means to fall short of success or achievement in something expected, attempted, desire, or approved. And so I started thinking of failure as not such a bad thing, but it is. it can be a good thing because it can be simply learning. Mm. I'll give you an example. Um, my middle daughter, Mariah, really wanted to be a part of our state's honor choir. And the first thing she had to do was be chosen at her school. And so she had to do a solo for her teacher and she was picked. And the next she had to tra travel a couple of hours away and try out before a panel of judges. Um, and so we went to the... Um, to the big day and she performed and then we had to wait and wait and wait for the judges to decide. And at the end of the day, when we went and looked at the board, her name wasn't there. She wasn't chosen. So of course you struggle with a disappointment. You work so hard and then you quote unquote failed, right? Yeah. Yeah. The next year, Mariah did it all again. She sang for her teacher. She traveled to the audition. She sang for the judges and she didn't make it again. And that was it. She was a senior, so she didn't have another opportunity. And so one of the things that, that we were learning when they were growing up was that sometimes even when we do the scary thing, it still mm -hmm. doesn't turn out. Mm. And you know, Mariah could have quit after the first time. And even after the second rejection, she could have quit doing scary things altogether. But what happened is that as we continue to encourage her that God had given her that voice for a reason, Mariah actually became braver to do scary things again because she had experienced the rejection. It mm -hmm. wasn't the end of the world. She learned something from it. And today she is a very, very brave woman. Mm -hmm. so I think we can teach our kids, just like it says in Psalms 23, that, that David says, when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid because you're with me. David doesn't say that, you know, bad things might not happen to me. He says that God's with them no matter what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of really challenging what we view failure as because, um, yeah, that's a tough one. And I think culture wants to tell us, our friends want to tell us what failure is, but um, that's almost a word that I've, I want to eliminate because it really, it's a learn, everything is a learning experience. Everything is practice. You know, it's not, it's not the end, you know? Yeah. And we can teach them that, it, even if it doesn't go right the first time that you don't have to quit, you mm -hmm. can be brave to do it again, try out for the sport twice or, mm -hmm. you know, invite a friend over more than once. And, and it's important, I think, too, to, to teach them what, what is the source inside of them for being brave. You know, mm -hmm. if our kids are building their confidence on someone such as that, that friend group or something like a sport or a good grade or some place like this club they belong to, those are all things that we can lose, we can have taken from them, they can yeah. outgrow them, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and if you build your entire confidence on this thing that you once did or this friend group you were once a part of, when that's over, then your confidence goes with it. Mm -hmm. But if we will teach our children to 
base their confidence on Christ, he's the only one that we can never lose or have taken from us. Yeah, that's so true. And I definitely see my daughters as, I mean, I can't slow down time <laughs> and it's going fast, but they're outgrowing certain things that they once really placed part of their identity in. And it, yeah. it's, and they've got to learn to let it go, keep moving, that that's not where your identity comes from. Absolutely. And that happens to us as well as adults. You know, if you have a girlfriend who's gone through a divorce, mm. you know, it's if you built your whole life on this family and this marriage, and now that that, that is lost to you, if that is where, like you said, your identity mm -hmm. and your confidence comes from, then that goes with it when that mm -hmm. man walks out that door or that yeah. wife walks out the door. But if our confidence is in Christ, it doesn't mean life won't be hard. But mm -hmm. what we built our life on doesn't change. Um, one of the ways that I unfortunately got to teach this to my kids was um, – <laughs> I was working on his revolutionary love. That book was rejected 19 times over five years. Wow. And, so, and that was right when my kids were in the height of trying new things and, and really struggling with failure. And here's their mom, you know, <laughs> with failure too. Um, and you know, some days I got it right and I was like, Jesus has got this and it'll all turn out the right times. And other times, you know, I sat on the couch and bowled. Yeah. But but together, we got to learn together that, mm -hmm. that um, a failure doesn't mean you're stuck. It doesn't mean you're stopped. It just means, okay, I'm learning something as I'm going. Yeah. You know, there's so much pressure for us to get it right as parents, whether it's from our neighborhood community or even our church community. And so I was wondering, how can we alleviate that? How can we get rid of that pressure and um, not feel the need for us ourselves to get it all right? That I think, and you know, maybe it's because my kids are now all young adults that when I look back, one thing that I wish that I had kept in mind, or even that I had an older parent remind me is mm -hmm. that our children have free will. And that as much as we want to write their stories, we want to save them from painful stories. We want to help them not write some of the dumb, dumb mistakes that we made. Um, we don't get to pick that part of their story. Mm -hmm. And that just as God was writing our story with us, they're writing their own stories with God. And so, you know, we keep investing in them, but all the time, the way they quote unquote turn out, the pathway mm -hmm. they take has a lot to do with their own free will. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I like to do um, as my kids have gotten older and I started doing this when, you know, when they were teenagers is that I keep telling my kids my story with God. So mm -hmm. whether it's something, a big answer to prayer or something small that happened in my day, I tell my kids about it so that my kids are watching me write my story every day with God. And they see that, um, our, that my life is, is woven with God um, and that he's an integral part of everything that I do. And I think that as we do that, it starts to relieve the pressure off ourselves. Mm -hmm. That it is not, it, while it is our responsibility to be intentional parents and to pour in them everything that God has given us in his word, ultimately, in the end, 
they are their own persons and they will make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, And we pray that those will be God honoring and that they will love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we also have to keep in mind that God was the perfect parent and even Adam and Eve messed up, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so so true. With that, then, you know, who do we think we are? We don't think we might struggle with it a little bit too. Yeah. No, I like what you said about just um, sharing our story with our kids and being vulnerable with them and and sharing with them our ups and downs. I think so much as parents, we try to sort of shield them from like what we're going through. And I think to a certain degree, that's wise to do that. But I think there's certain things that we need to share with them so that they see like, this is how I cope when I had a bad day. And this is, this is how I deal with, you know, the other moms on the playground or, you know, the things that didn't work out the way I planned. And I think that's, it's important for them to see us go through that and then see how, how we face it. You know, yeah, we don't want to give our children either the, the false impression that when you follow God, that means that life's going to be easy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we like to talk about the promises of God, but mm-hmm. one promise we don't talk about a whole lot. And that is Jesus promised us in this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. It is part of being on the planet. But part of that promise also is that he is with us at all times and he will never leave us or forsake us in the middle of our trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So as we wrap up, just tell us a little bit more about your book. Who's it for? How do we use it and how we can share it with our teens and tweens? Okay. Well, like, um, like you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, I do have my first three books were for teens, mm-hmm. um, but the most recent books um, um, has been Brave Beauty, Finding the Fearless You, and that mm-hmm. is for eight to 12-year-old girls to teach them as young as possible to build their confidence on Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other new book is um, for women, and it is a Bible study called Make Your Move, Finding Unshakable Confidence Despite Your Fears and Failures. Oh, so common thread. We're working on that. <laughs> and confidence and fear. I love that they came out together because, mm-hmm. you know, a mom can study about confidence and, and, and a girl can at the same time and grow in this way together. Mm-hmm. Um, and to help you kind of, you know, test drive the message and see if these are um, something that you want to know more about on my website at lynncowell.com. I have some freebies there. One for moms is called um, Five Days to Unshakable Confidence. Mm -hmm. And then I also have one for tweens called Grounded, Standing Firm in a Roller Coaster World. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You can find Lynn at www.lynncowell.com. She's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest as Lynn Cowell. Lynn's most recent book, Brave Beauty, Finding the Fearless You, can be found wherever books are sold. We'll link to all of this in the show notes. The Family Culture Project has a great website. But do you know what's an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.